Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Fallon. Welcome to another one. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by FreeAgent, the online accounting software that puts you in control of your freelancer finances. To claim your one-month free trial, visit freeagent.com slash freelance. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for lead generation strategist Kathy Wassell. You're kind of always on. You know, I was checking my clients' Twitter, etc., four, maybe five times a day. So I wanted some time off, basically. I wanted to be able to switch off. I need to be taking action every day. I need to be moving the needle every day to do something in my business. So as well as doing client work, I move the needle to do something in my business every day. There's not a day in my diary where I don't have something, you know, that's that's not what you might say normal. I don't really have a daily routine, put it that way. So there is Cathy, this week's guest, who is from Stratford-upon-Avon, I think it is. Is that where Shakespeare's from? Oh, get us. So, yes, that's this week's guest coming up in a moment. You will hear her story and advice. Looking forward to that. As ever, if you want to find out more about her, you can at beingfreelance.com. Also there, there's tons of other guests that you can check out. There's articles to help you with your freelance career. There are uh, videos. There is the vlog where I document my own freelance journey in quotation marks. So you can join along to that. You know, if you enjoy this, then it would be brilliant if you think about subscribing on YouTube to that. What else? Oh, and of course, the community. You can link through to the Being Freelance community. Come and join us in there. It would be great to, um, to hang out with you. We have live Q&As. We support each other with our businesses. We do the Non-Employee of the Week Awards, which is really fun every Friday live. So yeah, come join us. Come find us. All of that that you need is at beingfreelance.com. And if you enjoyed this episode, please do think about reviewing it, but also sharing it, be it on Instagram or LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter, whichever one is your preference, and sharing it in real life with other freelancers that you might bump into at meetups and what have you. Tell them about this. That would be really appreciated. Right now, though, let's crack on, shall we, and chat to this week's guest, and that is lead generation strategist, Kathy Wassell. Hey, Kathy. Hi. Thanks for doing this. Right, as ever, how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance? Sure. So I have been in marketing for about 24 years now. God, that sounds a long time, doesn't it? But (laughs) most of it, I was actually employed. I worked for 19 years for the same company. It was a Japanese company based in London who have book chains all over the world, basically, but obviously mostly in Japan. So I got that because I used to live in Japan. I lived in Japan for three years and taught English, like everybody else there, really, who's not Japanese. And then I came back and I did a master's in Japanese. And one of the ladies on my course had set up this interview and had decided that they were going back to Japan and they couldn't make the interview. So I phoned up the recruitment agency and begged to go on the interview and luckily uh, they let me and I was interviewed in Japanese that is the first and last time I've ever been interviewed in Japanese and could I do it now absolutely not a chance in hell wow (laughs) that honestly sounds like one of the truth and lies I get at the end of this (laughs) no that's all true that is all true so you were doing marketing was it for that firm yeah sales I was sales and marketing manager and you spent then was it 19 years with them yeah, I, I don't know how that happened, really. 
most of it, I was actually working from home in the end. After I had my first child, I decided that I didn't want to do all the horrible commuting on the central line and get stuck, <laughs> as you do in London, with, yeah. with no family nearby, kind of desperate to get to the nursery by six o'clock to pick up my baby. So I said, okay, we are getting, my husband is getting a job transfer to Birmingham and I'm not going to be able to work for you anymore. And they said, okay, uh, can you do it from home? So I said, yes, please. <laughs> please continue to pay me the same wages that you paid me in London <laughs> and I'll do it from home. And, and that's how it happened. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. It's like, so it's kind of like golden handcuffs, really. It's not a golden handshake, but it was, it, it kind of was golden handcuffs. I didn't really feel that I could leave because it was too good a deal. That is an amazing deal, to be fair. So you then spent how long working from home for them? Probably about 15 years I worked from home. No, wow. So you, yeah, you were working from home way before working from home was a thing. Really, yeah, yeah I worked, I've worked from home for a long time. In fact, I, I don't think I couldn't go back now to an office. No, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would want me. <laughs> so at what point did you step away from that? I was made redundant. So um, yeah, after 19 years, I was made redundant. And I thought, oh, okay, what do I do now? And I, again, I couldn't go back to an office. So I did think about getting jobs, obviously, but you know, I had two children. By that point, I had two spaniels as well. And I didn't want to leave them at home on their own all day. And so I thought, okay, well, I've got to set up my own business. So that's what I did. And marketing was the obvious thing. Yeah. And when was that? Um, that was about five years ago. I mean, you said marketing was the obvious thing, but obviously I introduced you as a freelance lead generation strategist. So what did you first do when you set out as a freelancer? You positioned yourself as a marketer, did you? Yes. So I was doing social media marketing mainly, obviously not for the whole 19 years because social media wasn't around <laughs> yeah. all that time. But during the latter part of my employment, I was mostly doing social media for them. So I retrained or, or rather I got proper training as a social media manager uh, and started to do not just day-to-day -day management, but a lot of strategy, marketing strategy work um, and training. And then I niched down into Facebook ads and LinkedIn. And then I kind of niched down a little bit further and said, okay, I'm not doing e-com, I'm doing lead generation. So that's where I am. Okay, that's where you are. Let's unpick how you got there, though, because there must have been a lot of decisions within all of that. I'm intrigued, actually, though, right? You said you, you retrained. What made you think you wanted to do that when you'd been doing it, if you see what I mean? I suppose I've taught myself, like like probably most of us, who, who have grown up as the internet and everything else happened, I taught myself. Now, I mean, I would have loved to have the internet while I was in Japan. It was at its early stages, but I certainly didn't have anything to do with it. But that would have been brilliant. You know, I had to book times to speak to my parents because of the time difference and them being at work or me being at work you know we I spoke to my parents every two weeks on a Sunday and it was horrible sometimes waiting all that time and it was and it cost a fortune an absolute fortune it would have been very different if we could have just been on Facebook um, but still that it wasn't to be then 
And I decided that I wanted to do it properly and I wanted the analytics knowledge, I wanted the reporting knowledge, I wanted to be able to prove return on investment. Okay. And how long was that course? Was it what sort of thing was it? That was a six month a six month intensive course with actual on the job experience. So I had a program partner um, who was my who was my client still until very recently. And I worked with them and worked on their strategy and their social media until I had graduated. And that must have given you confidence in going freelance. Yeah, it gave me confidence, but it, it also introduced me to a great group of women because they were all women. And in fact, three of them are my co-founders of my other business, Go With The Pro. So it's really changed my life in that sense. So how did you go about, obviously that's one client that you've bagged. How did you go about finding your first clients? To be honest with you, I never really had to hustle for clients. I was quite lucky. Either it was people at networking groups or it was a friend of a friend, if you see what I mean. And at first I couldn't do, I couldn't work full time. Now I certainly work more than, more than full time. But at the time I could only do about three days a week, which is how much I had been working. And I had enough clients and I stopped looking. And really, I only started looking again when I lost one, which is kind of how I've ended up niched into what I am doing now, because that's not a position that I want myself to be in again. And I don't want anyone else to be in that position either. So how many clients did you have at once? Um, I think the most I had at once was four, because if I were managing multiple channels for them, each channel takes about five hours a week. Um, So really, you just can't. I couldn't do I couldn't handle more than four clients so you got four clients on the go but yes yeah, so you're saying you've then stopped looking for more clients because you had the clients yeah and how long did that go on for and how like what made you evolve your services so after a while I decided I wanted to learn more about Facebook ads and I did some Facebook ad training Uh, with Emma Van Heusen, who is one of the top Facebook ads people in this country. UK doesn't tend to have, or didn't, tend to have particularly strong Facebook ads people. If you were really serious about Facebook ads, you had to go to the US or Australia. Not literally, obviously, but you you had to find people in the US or Australia. But that's kind of changing now, which is great. And I decided that I had to learn about them properly and I had to know everything about them. So I did that training and then kind of re-pivoted a bit to, to not taking on any more social media clients. I still have one. Um, I still have my orchestra client and I'll, I'll keep them as long as I need to because they're, very, they're it's one of the top 10 orchestras in the world and they're a nice prestigious client to have on my portfolio. But I, I don't take on new social media clients now other than if my team is going to work for them. So I don't work on them myself, but as I run an agency, I can still take them on. So you found that the problem you had, nice problem as it is, was that all of your time was taken up. Like social management, social media management is a very time restrictive thing. Like you have to put in the the time to it. So you wanted to move away from that. Yeah. So I found I had only time to work on my business, not in my business, which again, I think is a very common freelance problem. 
well, not just freelance, I'm sure. And I wanted to be able to develop my business. I wanted to be able to take weekends off, you know, which often you can't really with your, you're kind of always on, you know, I was checking my clients, Twitter, etc., four, maybe five times a day. And I had to do that still at the weekend, maybe not quite so much, but I still had to do it. So I wanted some time off, basically. I wanted to be able to switch off. Yeah. And how did you go about the pricing at, uh, at the early stage? Like on the course that you did right at the beginning, did they give you advice on that? Not so much. Um, I did start out with I obviously charged less at the beginning because I didn't have the wealth of experience. I mean, obviously I had a lot of marketing experience, but I didn't have the wealth of social media experience. Also, my program partner was a charity, so I didn't feel that I could charge them too much. But yes, certainly I have moved on from those pricing strategies now. But I think at the beginning, you do have to go lower. You know, when you don't have the experience, you have to give on something and usually that's pricing. But it's certainly I would always advise people to make sure that they have a contract in place and that they have some kind of break clause where they can renegotiate their pricing. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So what would a break clause look like for you? So for Facebook ads, I don't do contracts of less than three months because you can't you can't get Facebook working in an optimum way, really, in less than that time. At least you can't say that it's not working before three months because you've got to give it enough time to work. So I don't say that a contract has to be 12 months, but I do say it has to be a minimum of three months. And really, I just go from there. So I don't think I generally don't put break clauses in anymore, but I would say to anyone starting out that, you know, put in a break clause of six months or something so that you can renegotiate once you've got a bit more experience. Okay, right. So you are transitioning into a Facebook ads expert now. How did you go about finding those clients? So I do contact people now. I do do a bit of hustle now. I do networking. I spot brands that I would like to work with and I check out what ads they are doing because you're able to do that now on Facebook. I research in particular areas that I would like to work in and I find people and I will contact them when I have some time to do so. I'm not doing so at the moment because I have no time. But I pick up clients from speaking gigs. So, for example, this week I've done two different kind of speaking gigs and I've had about 10 leads from those. So, we'll, you know, I've obviously I'm still in the stage of seeing what will happen with those. But, you know, you've just got to get yourself out there, really. You've got to show show yourself as an expert, get yourself out there. I pick up usually quite a lot of work from LinkedIn. Some people have success with Instagram, but generally social media, networking and word of mouth is, is generally how it is. So what is it that you do on LinkedIn in particular? So for LinkedIn, I advise people how to optimize their profile. So I have a LinkedIn course. Um, and I run a LinkedIn challenge, um, a free challenge for people to optimize being found on LinkedIn rather than finding people. And I run ads, run LinkedIn ads for people. As an agency, I do run LinkedIn company pages. I don't tend to run them myself. 
Uh, LinkedIn company pages are problematic. There's so little that you can do with them. So uh, a pro, an individual profile is is much meatier to get your teeth into, really. But th- that's what you offer service-wise. Like, how did you go about? Because you mentioned find clients would find you on LinkedIn, or you would find clients. What did you do for yourself? Well, I'm not salesy. I don't try and sell on LinkedIn. I find that doesn't really work on LinkedIn anyway. So I generally make videos, write posts, being helpful, looking at problems that people have and giving them tips about it. And that's and people get in contact with you because of that. So that's that's generally what I do. I post almost every day on LinkedIn consistently. I comment a lot on other people's posts and that's how the algorithm gets to like you basically and gives you more reach you say you post every day but you don't like do a new blog post or video every day do you I do quite a lot of videos I mean they only they only need to be a minute they don't have to be a big doesn't have to be a big thing Um, and certainly no I don't do a new blog post every day but text only posts do very well on LinkedIn so perhaps just you know a little tip or a little um, some bullet points about something work really well on LinkedIn And do you plan that out in advance or do you just go with the flow? I don't have a super duper content calendar, although I would for clients. (laughs) It's typical, isn't it? It's like the plumber never (laughs) doing his own plumbing. But I do have kind of themes that I work on either weekly or monthly. So basically everything during that week or month would be geared towards a particular theme. And you said that you now help other people optimize their profile for LinkedIn was that something that people started asking you for or did you just sit there and go hmm there's a lot of bad LinkedIn profiles I'm looking at (laughs) maybe I could offer this as a service there are a lot of bad LinkedIn profiles out there definitely no but I had a lot of a lot of the groups that I'm in people would tag and you know I get tagged daily about LinkedIn and Facebook ads in in various Facebook groups and people are asking me the same questions so it makes sense to you know make a little video that answers that question basically. Now obviously I've got to ask you about your team because people will be sitting there going hang on she she keeps mentioning she's mentioned an agency twice now and you've not picked her up on it so I will yeah you mentioned your team so at what point did you grow beyond yourself? I have an associate team, so I don't have employees. Um, I know an awful lot of social media and Facebook ad freelancers, and I know which ones are really good. Generally, they've got the same training as me because that's how I know them. So I know that they can do things at just as good a standard as I would do it. So as needed, uh, I use my associate team. And I mean, what does that look like for you? Like, How much of your work is outsourced or you know like collaborative in 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 that way at the moment it's not too much probably about 30 40 percent at the moment but it's growing month by month six months ago it wasn't even that much so it's certainly something that I expect to continue to grow and then your clients invoice you like you're invoicing your clients and then you're paying the freelancer who's working for them right yeah yeah so i'm the point of contact yeah how do you find i guess managing a team in that way 
I really enjoy it actually. So my other business, which <laughs> which I expect you'll ask me about in a minute, um, is my membership group, Go With The Pro. And that is with, there's four of us who are the co-founders of that and the co-directors of that. And we all live all over the country, you know, so we do, we do meet up a few times a year, but we are, we all work remotely um, and we all manage the business remotely. And that works absolutely fine, to be honest. You must have a lot of good working remotely tips up your sleeve really because you were doing it for so long I must have (laughs) (laughs) or or I wonder whether you don't know what those tips are because it it just became second nature to you well maybe yeah you have to just pull them out of my brain now (laughs) I have to pull them out of your brain right okay I'm going in (laughs) yeah what are the challenges of working remotely that you've had to overcome um I think the biggest challenge for me is not having an IT department that drives me crazy. Tech issues. I'm not particularly techy, although I suppose I work with tech all the time. But, you know, when your laptop goes wrong or, you know, everything else happens, I do wish that I could just call the IT department and the IT guy would come and fix it. But that doesn't happen, sadly. And how about the way that you're communicating with people remotely? Well, we use, so for my co-directors and I, we use Slack every day. And then we have Zoom calls every week. Um, So we're speaking to each other every day. Um, We're in pretty much constant contact. But yeah, it's mostly through Slack with with occasional Zoom calls. Okay. In that case, let's talk about the the membership groups because you've mentioned the directors, the co-founders. So this is Go With The Pro. So that's a membership for small businesses, did you say? Yeah, small businesses and freelancers. So it's basically support for setting up your own business, for for launching it, for growing it, for finding clients. There's lots of resources, there's monthly workshops, but most of all, there's a highly supportive Facebook group where you can ask anything. And believe me, (laughs) we have been asked anything and you will get lots of support. We find that especially for women sadly the biggest thing that they need when they're starting their own business often they've only just become freelance maybe they're returning to work after having children and they don't want to go back to that office job that they had before it doesn't just doesn't work for them anymore confidence is a big issue confidence and imposter syndrome and feeling like they have the experience to offer when often they certainly do have the experience to offer but it's confidence that's holding them back so that's a big thing in go with the pro we we are big on building up confidence counting your wins being grateful for what you've got so that that builds up the whole confidence issue and generally just supporting people to make that step and you have courses within that do you yeah, we've got various courses and we've got about, I don't know how many now, 15, 20. How long has that been going? Since last year. So we built it all up over the summer and we launched in September. You built it all up. What did that actually involve then? That involved a lot of work. <laughs> okay, good. Because right, did you start with one course and then add to them or did you like build them all at once? No, we we launched, I think we launched with 12 courses. Uh, and we add a new one every month. Wowzers. <laughs> okay, so how did you go about building that? So so you've got the four of you. Whose idea was it? Did you all, were you all just catching up one day and thought, 
Um, so Go With The Pro itself was was my idea. So it started in um, a big Facebook group that we were all in, uh, a Facebook group of, of female social media managers. And we were, it was kind of, it started with something else. We were fed up with hearing about people that had been in the business for many years, whether it be social media, marketing, PR, journalism, constantly being got rid of because they said an intern could do it. And so we started the hashtag go with the pro and we built up content that showed that you should basically you should, businesses should go with the pro. You know, you interns are great, but it's not fair to use them for that when they're meant to be learning and it's not fair to get rid of somebody with x amount of experience so that you can not pay someone basically. <laughs> so that was how it started. And then we did um, a charity event. One of our dear friends had cancer and she was fighting it. And we raised a lot of money for that. And it really, it was born from that. We decided that we really liked working together. We'd put in a lot of time volunteering for this, um, for this event and for raising the money. And we decided that we would make a business out of it. Oh man, that's cool. So there's the the four of you, and and you set it up as like a an actual what is it like a limited company? A... It's a limited company, yes. What did you find as you were setting that up? You know, like up until this point, you've been in charge of what you're doing. Like it's all you. Suddenly, you've got. I imagine you know, like potentially. Okay, you're not making any revenue as you set up the company, but in the future. Uh, you will be so like how are you going to divide up workload or you know finances like yeah I mean we pretty much trust each other it's fairly obvious you know what other people are doing you know obviously we have weekly meetings to divvy out what needs to be done we discuss together what needs to be done you know we brainstorm ideas together but it is built on trust definitely uh, we do have agreements and you know, we're we're basically we're decent people and we trust each other and we're not going to shaft each other, basically. But, you know, it works well. It does work well. Okay, now I have to ask. You have a lot going on. I do. Oh, actually, <laughs> and I, I need to say this. How old are you? You mentioned that you have two kids. How old are they now? 17 and 14. Okay, so they're not as demanding, but well, not sure. Not sure I'd agree with that, but yes. <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm thinking they're not as demanding as a five year old, <laughs> but but actually, no, that's very true. They come with their own, not just taxi service, but all the emotional stuff and yeah. um, getting them through their exam stuff at Muscova with that age. How do you manage your day? Like, how do you manage your week? You said you wanted weekends off. Like, how do you manage your workload? Well, I have to say at the moment, I'm not really getting week weekends off, but that is the aim. I do a lot. I use the Pomodoro technique. Have you talked about that before on the podcast? Yeah, it's been, so that's the breaking it up into, what is it, like 20 minutes, 25 minutes? I yeah, so, so I think it's meant to be 25 minutes. To be honest, I do longer than that because, I, you know, I, I it's like a recipe. I think you, you make it your own. So I do probably an hour um, and then I do make sure that I have – a good walk around or you know perhaps do some put the washing in or whatever it is you know just kind of get your brain some rest I try now I've been working with a mindset coach and I try now to make sure what well, she tries to make sure that I spend at least 10 minutes just doing nothing and letting my brain just chill and be you know be present in the moment 
And I do find that really helps actually. So when you come back to it after that, something that might have taken an hour takes less time. So although you've taken that 10 minutes, you've actually saved yourself time later and you've given your brain a rest. Let's face it. We all need that, don't we? That is interesting, yeah. Because otherwise, you'd, I don't know. I, yeah, like personally, I feel like I've got to keep moving, got to keep going through this stuff, got to keep going. Mm, but it's exhausting, that isn't it? It's mentally exhausting as well. So I, I did. I found myself, well, not very long ago, I found myself, I suppose, overwhelmed because I do have an awful lot on. I, it's true, and I was constantly you know, having lists in my, either on paper or on my head and ticking things off. I'm like, oh, I've still got to do that. I've got to do that. And I don't think that does your brain much good, let alone your body. Um, I think that you do need to take a break from that. So I'm trying to do things more mindfully. I'm trying to give myself a break. But equally, I need to be productive. I have an awful lot to do and I need to do it in a focused way. But switching off notifications definitely helps. I guess you've probably got, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, the clients that you work like properly directly with, and then you've got clients who you would be overseeing via somebody else, and then you've got commitments within Go With The Pro. How do you work that across your week? So then I've got lead generation as well. <laughs> I'm working on my business. <laughs> Um, and writing new courses, etc., and and writing webinars for those courses, so I probably could do it in a more productive way, to be honest. But I write it, I write it all down. I definitely have lists every day. I don't have one ginormous master list because there's nothing more overwhelming than having a huge list. But I make sure that there are key things that I need to get done that day. So as long as those get chucked off the list, then that's fine. My mantra really is done is better than perfect. So I don't worry about things being totally perfect, but I need to be taking action every day. I need to be moving the needle every day, you know, unless I'm taking the day off every day to do something in my business. So as well as doing client work, I move the needle to do something in my business every day. And how do you gauge that? Like, do you have like, things like mapped out on your wall like if you say oh yeah webinar or course like that's a big thing even in itself yeah I break I break things down yeah I break things down into tasks so for core for the courses so I have at the moment I have two courses but I have lots more planned I'm only writing one at a time (laughs) and I break them down into modules and then I break that down into I suppose you might call it chapters plan each video make the slides for the video. All of those are separate little tasks. So when I'm talking about ticking three things off a day, it would be three of those tasks rather than, you know, the whole course or the whole module. Mm. That's worked quite quite well, I guess. There's like a revenue stream coming in regularly for you, which then gives you income coming in to pay the bills in order to work on the things which will pay further down the line if people become members or buy your course or whatever it might be. That's the plan. (laughs) Oh, I know what I noticed when I went on your on your website as well. This little messenger bot came up. Yeah. How have you found working with that? You know, like a, so everybody, you must know what I'm talking about by now when this little thing comes up in the corner and says, oh, how can I help you or whatever it might be. Um, how have you found that for you? I have to say it's not second nature to me. So I haven't built that bot. I work with a messenger bot expert 
uh, in the Philippines and he is my associate for if my clients want message bots. So I don't build them. I outsource it to him. And I find that much easier. So all I have done is say, I want a chat flow saying this, or I want to find out if they want this. And we've just tried to make it as, how can I put it? Normal as possible. As um, human. Yeah, yeah, as human as possible. Yeah. And, and, and not spam people. Oh, I see. Okay. So it isn't one of those ones where it connects you with a real human being because I wasn't logged into Facebook, so it wouldn't let me test it. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. I didn't want to annoy you by <laughs> suddenly talking to you. Um, so, 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 so what happens? So there's a chat flow. So it takes you through a certain chat flow and you can give answers and you can say, no, you don't want to, or, you know, because it, I think it sends you to a LinkedIn blog and there's various other things that it can do at the moment I don't have many chat flows on there uh, because I just I don't have the time to dedicate to it but you can have obviously people can have hundreds of chat flows in there and you could go off down all these different branches which is my brain doesn't really work that way that's like a plate of spaghetti to me uh, so. <laughs> so it's a it's a way of helping manage people who are trying to connect and get them to the content that might help them without taking up your time. Cool. And I was going to ask you as well, because you mentioned earlier, you know, you might just give one talk and that might bring you 10 leads in itself. Do you have a process for filtering leads? Not a great process yet. So at the moment, I give people a quick call if they want it or they can talk by email if they want to and I try to ascertain what they need um, after that I try to ascertain if what they need is at all realistic according to their budget <laughs> which often it isn't and I am pretty good now at sifting out people that basically can't afford me and I will either try to um, redirect them to somebody else or I will redirect them to a power hour with me perhaps so they can learn how to do it themselves or if appropriate to one of my courses or I will just send them a link to a useful blog or something um, depends really what stage they're at and how impossible their budget is to reconcile with my prices I see that phrase a lot I quite like that the power hour so that's like a consultation call type thing is it yeah, so if if it were a Facebook ads power hour, then most of those are for people that are beginners and want to start running them and really have no idea how to set it up. But it doesn't have to be that. It could be somebody who's having problems with Facebook ads that they're running and they don't understand why they're not working or we could make it totally bespoke and look into a you know somebody's ad manager and run through it with them. Could be anything really, yeah. Could be anything you like. And so it sounds like, you know, like I often, you know, you're working from home that can feel quite isolating, but actually it sounds like you're surrounded by, well, actually you've got two dogs, <laughs> but yeah, but, they are with the dog walker at the moment and they might come back at any moment. So I do hope they don't because they will be noisy if they do. Oh, so you don't take them out yourself. Um, on a Tuesday and a Thursday, they go out with the dog walker because I am so busy at the moment that I want them to have a walk, but I don't have time to do it. They get, so they get a quick walk at first thing, half past five in the morning, they get a quick walk. Wow. Half five in the morning. Yeah, I get up at half five. <laughs> Every, do you? Yeah, not at the weekends. Do, do you start work quite early or? Yeah, I'm often at work by six, yeah. And so then what? Like, would you then work through until? 
I do the school runs, so I always have to, you know, always have that time off. Um, and then, you know, there's always either I'm doing something like this or I'm I'm doing a call for one of the programs or coaching that I'm on or something like that. So there's always something every day. Yeah. So actually it's it's making the most of all of those sort of fragmented chunks of time. Yeah, there's not there's not a day in my diary where I don't have something, you know, that's that's not what you might say normal. I don't really have I don't really have a daily routine, put it that way. So if I say, what does your evening look like? Are you still working in an evening or are you? Um, I do often work in evenings. Um, I have to go and pick up my husband from the station every night. Go With the Pro does a Twitter chat every Thursday at eight o'clock. So I'm always on that. Our Go With the Pro Zoom call is on a Monday night. So I'm always on that. Yeah. Okay. Now, Kathy, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true, one a lie, and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me? Okay. I almost became a journalist. I was on the same plane as Salman Rushdie on a business trip to Singapore. I have been to 47 countries in the world. Oh, dear. The last one's not really business related, I have to say. Salman Rushdie, journalist, 47 countries. I nearly became a journalist. And I'm now trying to rewind as to what you said at the beginning. Actually, you didn't give much away before the moment you joined that Japanese company. I don't think you really said what you did before then. Mm, cunning, eh? Yeah, so did, but you nearly became a journalist. So how close did you come to becoming a journalist? Actually, for most of my childhood, I wanted to be a vet. <laughs> but then I discovered that, A, I really didn't want to do three science A-levels, and also I didn't want to stick my hand up a cow's bottom. <laughs> so did you train as a journalist? No, I didn't in the end. My uncle was on the press council and my uh, cousin was the editor of the Evening Standard. Ooh. And I was I was pretty good at English when I was at school and I really enjoyed English and I did an English degree. And I, I was very close to, instead of going to do a master's in Japanese, going to do some kind of training in journalism. You were on a plane at the same time as Salman Rushdie. I mean, that's... Perfectly. When was that? Was this at the height of? Yes, it, maybe not the height, but certainly it was still very much in the news. And what alerted me was that there was a guard outside the entrance, the door to the plane with a big machine gun. And we're like, what is going on there? And then we had to walk through, I don't know if it was first class or business class, we had to walk through that. We obviously were not in that section. And we had to walk through that to get to economy class. And I did this double date. I'm like, that's Salman Rushdie. That's, and then you're kind of like, oh, that's why the machine gun's outside. And then 47 countries. Oh, don't worry, everyone. I'm not going to get her to list every single country you've been to. 47 countries. Clearly, you liked to travel. Salmon Rushdie. I'm trying to think now, like, if they were that worried about Salmon Rushdie, like, normally when, when they load a plane, they get us peasants on first before the swanky people, don't they? And then, They probably had to do um, what they were told, I expect, by the machine gun man. <sighs> Do you, I mean, you don't walk through first class, do, do you? Don't you just go, like, they go left, you go right. I'm just trying to find the fault in this story. I don't know. This was in the days when you could still smoke on planes, I think. So. Oh, my gosh. That was quite okay. a while ago. 
Yeah, that is. And by the way, if you're a young, you know, if you don't know Sam and Rusty and why that would even be an issue, Google. I'm not even <laughs> going to go into it. <laughs> Google. Right. Quite frankly, these could all be lies. I don't actually believe any of them. I don't believe you want to play with Sam and Rusty. I've got a feeling you didn't. I was nearly a journalist, but you didn't train to be a journalist, so that feels flaky. 47 countries seems the most likely because you did go, you you know, anybody who goes to live in Japan must have a love of traveling because that's about as different as it gets. I'm going to say the journalist is a lie. No, that's true. (gasps) Salman Rushdie is a lie. No, Salman Rushdie is true. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Actually, I don't. I have not counted up how many countries I've been to. I suppose there's a remote chance it could be forty-seven. It is a lot. Right. I want an independent <laughs> adjudicator. None of us are leaving until she's counted. But forty-seven <laughs> is just a number that I plucked out of my head. So if it is right, it's a coincidence. Forty-seven does seem extreme. Ah, oh, man. Okay. Right. Well, well done. You totally had me. Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? Uh, do it earlier. I so wish that I had started my own business a lot earlier. So I'm going to be 50 this year, which I only realized on New Year's Day, actually. I was like, oh, my God, yeah, I must be 50 this year. And I just think, oh, I could have done it when I was 30. I probably wouldn't have done it when I was 30 and I would have had young children. But still, I do wish that I had done it earlier, definitely. Yeah, but those golden handcuffs, you had a good deal going on, right? I know, I know. You know, there's always a reason why we do these things and perhaps, you know, perhaps that's why. But certainly I um, I am a big believer now that you can change your career at any time and I would help and support anyone to change their career at any time. In fact, one of my big memories, my dad was a head teacher and he hated it and he took early retirement in the end because it was so incredibly stressful they I mean they used to have training about what how to avoid heart attacks you know that's how stressful it was the government actually trained them on how to avoid heart attacks but I remember a few years before he actually took early retirement he had been given some kind of opportunity now I was only young and I don't actually I don't really know what kind of opportunity it was but he decided that he wasn't going to go for it because I guess he was supporting the family and it was too risky I suppose. And I wish that he had been able to do that and have a career that he really liked. And I would certainly encourage anybody with the right planning to be brave. Kathy, it's been so good chatting to you. You can go to beingfreelance.com as ever, and there will be links through as there are for all of our guests so that you can find what Kathy is up to, both on social media, but also the business side of things as well. So go and reach out and say hi to her, if you will. She's not got much to do, so she'll have loads of time to get back to you. <laughs> It'll be fine. Uh, I'm just glad that the dogs didn't interrupt us. That's all. Yeah, I'm disappointed they didn't. So yes, you can go and uh, yeah, you can go and find that at beingfreelance.com. While you're there, check out the other episodes, the uh, vlog, and the articles are there. And of course, you can join the community of other freelancers as well. There's a link through at beingfreelance.com. And, yeah, I will possibly see you in there if you come and join us. But, Kathy, for now, thank you so much and all the best. Big freelance. Thank you for having me. 